702. Bruce is on the money show. Talk to me, Zanella and Japa, about the problem that companies have in terms of talent retention, particularly when it comes to retaining the talent of young people and growing young people's talent through their own organizations. Hi there, Bruce. It's lovely to be in your presence today. So this is a really big issue, but one that I'm extremely passionate about as a so-called zillennial, uh, individuals that feel a bit too young to be millennials, but too old to be Gen Zs. <laughs> Sorry. And I promise no, I'm not no, making no, this no, up. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I saw zillennial and I went, well, these people who are fans of Helen Zilla. But um, the, this is a zillennial. If you, do you make it up or did somebody else make it up and you're just borrowing it? I'm actually borrowing it borrowing it it's an official term for individuals that are almost in the middle on that on that thin line between gen z's and millennials okay what what year was zillennials born in 1986 or somewhere along there <laughs> so this is that gap around 1991 1992 okay. 93 all the way to about 95 okay 91 to 95 the zillennials thank you for teaching me something new continue of course. So I think there's so much data going around at the moment around the dissatisfaction of young people, but also how the retention of young people in workplaces has become a huge problem. I mean, if you look earlier this year, we've had some interesting research from Microsoft, Deloitte specifically saying that young people, Gen Zs and millennials specifically, are spending at least two years, at most two years in their jobs and saying that this year has been the year when they are rethinking what it means to be at work, but rethinking the organizations that they work with. So there is this almost sieve, organizations are becoming the sieve for young people who are going, you know what, maybe this is not necessarily what I want to do. Why are people leaving at such a higher rate? And I'm wondering if it is a higher rate than before. Yes, so it definitely is. What we are seeing, according to Microsoft, is that it's 52% of young people that they've interviewed have said that the year 2022, and this was earlier this year, so the, the data around what it has been would be interesting to see. But they said that they, they actually wanted to leave this year. And my conclusion is this, and this is not necessarily something that a lot of people have heard, but according to my work, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that young people, specifically our Gen Zs and our millennials, really want what entrepreneurship gives. And this can be broken up in a few different ways. It's flexibility. It's no cap on earnings. It's mental health. Creativity. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just uh, the delusion, the delusion of those assumptions, the delusion That's of those thing. assumptions. Pardon, sorry. That's the <laughs> thing, Bruce. Yeah. It sounds a bit delusional, but I do believe. And and when we yeah. double click into these, we can see just how much those factors are things that you can actually create a culture or procedures or a process within an organization where young people can actually get some of those and possibly even all of those factors. I don't doubt for a moment that corporations can have those things. But when there's a belief that you go and become an entrepreneur, particularly if you're one that is a go-getter and hungry and wants to grow and, and develop, you don't, I mean, you, you think you get the flexibility, you think you get the freedom, you think you get the earning capacity, uh, but you're generally the one at the back of the line when it comes to the flexibility, the, the earning capacity and everything else, because you've got to pay everybody else first. It's infuriating, Absolutely. but that's 
the reality of running your own business. But let's talk about what companies can do, because I do think that there is a problem on talent retention. Um, and I think I don't think it's just amongst millennials and, and Gen Zs, people. The, what, what, is the, what is the thing called the quiet quitting generation, people who just go and do the absolute minimum? I think people are generally fairly fed up with the workplace. And I think people are, are kind of hoping that the workplace gets better. How can the workplace be better? Absolutely. So that quiet quitting, maybe to just go back to that, that quiet quitting is not necessarily doing the bare minimum, but it's doing what's within the scope. Because we've also seen in the past two years, and you'll know this very well, Bruce, is that there's been a lot of scope creeping. So what I was told I was going to do has now turned into, hey, why don't you also do this and do that because we don't have this person in their role? No, no, it's not about that. It's a new opportunity for you to show us how good you are and how capable you are because, (laughs) hey, we're eyeing you for something great in the future. So in the meantime, just do these three jobs. Yeah, that thing. Uh-huh. In about five years, when I'm 35. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So let's talk about what we can do. And I think the reason why this conversation, I wanted it to be positioned around not pe- putting young people in a corner is because that's what a lot of organizations tend to do. We will box our young people into projects that are specific to to what we feel they can offer, positions that are specific for young people. And in even when we run programs, when we run conferences, we'll say, okay, this particular day is dedicated to our young people and how we can grow talent. But this idea is organizations really finding a way way to integrate young people into the very core of the business. So this could look anything from reverse mentorship, which is a concept a lot of people are familiar with, but it's the idea that not only do more experienced and maybe um, more aged individuals in the organization will mentor younger people that are still coming into the organization. But how do we also reverse that? How do we have young people that have just come into the organization that have fresh perspectives to also share what they feel could disrupt the system? Another way that this could take place is anything like board membership, having one or two individuals at, at within the board at the organization to, to share these inputs, but to also almost represent that part of your workforce. How I, I saw this in the notes that you sent me, and I, I immediately went, "Really, board membership?" <laughs> I, I and uh, and uh, and and perhaps I'm stuck in my ways here. But I mean, board memberships are generally, uh, and maybe boards need a rethink on this particular front. But generally, they're people who've been around the block once or twice. They're people who understand the world of business. People with a huge amount of experience. Are you suggesting that these are sort of the training wheels for the future or is it a more serious role within the board? I guess it really is a bit of both, Bruce. And I think one of the things that that really are the big idea behind this one is that boards do come in different forms. You've got your board that is, like you said, made up of individuals that are championing the different strategic decisions that are made in the organization based on their professionalism and their experience. But you also have a more practice day-to-day type board that can be formed within an organization that then collaboratively works with the other form. So this is the kind of thinking that, that is behind this. But also, So why not at a higher level have one or two individuals that come in, maybe not every time the board meets, but once in a while, just to share some of the insights on the ground or maybe to share what they're reading, what's happening out there that these individuals who sit in this position are not necessarily aware of. And that's the big idea. It's how do we stimulate our thinking differently by leveraging the young people we have access to and not putting them in the corner. Is, I mean, does it have to be at that level or does mentorship, a proper mentorship? So I've had the privilege of 
watching the careers of people who become very senior now, but I've watched them grow from times where they were mentored and they became effectively like executive assistants or executive PAs to the CEO. The CEO would identify one or two people and they would take them under their wing and they would be the bag carriers, they would be the fixers, they would be the people who would go on the trips, who would get into the room at the US Fed, for example, sit quietly in a corner, this is sitting quietly in a corner. Uh-huh. I know you don't like it. Um, but but absorbing the world in a way that is so privileged and is so deep and is so unbelievably powerful for the right individuals uh, to get that level of access. And I've just watched those people grow their careers from a position of privilege, uh, because given that access, um, and 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 watch them perform really well and rise to the top of their game, respectively. Absolutely, I think that that's a really great perspective. But I think one of the reasons why, and I'm going to push back at that, and here's why, sure. is because one of the reasons why we have them shadow and carry the bags and and sit in the corner is because there is almost an invitation there to be, um, to almost to almost be built into the culture, to have them work their way in so they understand where the constraints are, which is really great. But what happens because that that period is usually about two years, by the time that individual is given an opportunity to open their mouths, to contribute to strategic decisions, they already feel like everyone else. They already know the parameters. <laughs> okay, I get you. I get you. I get you. So they become part of the club. You want, you want discomfort. Uh, uh, so you 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 you're wanting companies to learn to live with a level of discomfort. Most companies, though, Zanelli, must look at you and say, "Hold on, do you do you realize just how uncomfortable waking up in the morning is, and coming in and <laughs> making the widgets and getting them to market in the midst of loading and all the other stuff that we have to deal with on a daily basis?" Now you want us to bring additional discomfort into our into our lives? Are you nuts? Um, you know, and it's it's you know it's we we like young people that yeah make tea. Um, do you get do you get a lot of pushback? I do. You know what, Bruce? I with this work that I do, I get clients after I've delivered an entire facilitation come up to me and go, "Oh my goodness!" You know, when you stepped into the room, I thought, "What is this tiny little girl going to say to us that we don't know?" And I think that that's the thing is that we make all of these assumptions around what people can offer instead of opening ourselves up to challenging those assumptions and seeing what the result is that we get. Sanele, food for thought is always. Thank you very much indeed for sharing with us this evening. The unlearning lady, the unlearning expert, Zanele and Japa this evening. Um, really challenging the status quo. Thanks for that.